Hey there, friends and foes. This is the prophet of pop culture, John Pica. You can call me Johnny. And on this week's episode of Back of the Cereal Box, I'm going to be talking about Masters of the Universe. Does it really warrant the hate thrown against it? It's like Coca-Cola, Levi's guys and gals welcome back to back of the cereal box i am your host john pica the prophet of pop culture but you can call me johnny and i thought i'd just come to you guys for a few minutes and talk about masters of the universe the brand new animated series by kevin smith on netflix if you haven't seen masters of the universe yet turn this off And come back later because I am going to be sharing some pretty big spoilers. Also, it's worth noting that I am recording this live from Superman Celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. So if you hear some of the background noise, it is the fun and frivolity of Artist Alley and Writer's Way. So, let's talk Masters of the Universe. I was never a big fan of He-Man as a kid. I was a kid of the 80s, but I always thought He-Man was rather silly and insipid. I hated the character name. I mean, who names their alpha male He-Man? I just thought that was silly. And some of the other characters, in particular the villains like Stinkor... And Merman and Beastman were a little bit too on the nose. And even, I thought, Evil Lynn was a little bit silly. I was never a fan of the toys, and I know a lot of people were. A lot of people of my age group were huge fans of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I just never was. Now... That having been said, the animation on that show was really, really great, especially for the 80s. It was some of the best animation on TV, filmed by the same company that did Flash Gordon and several of my other favorite series, Filmation. Just a great job. And yes, the cartoon series was designed specifically to sell toys for Mattel, and it worked. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe figures were one of the biggest selling toy lines of the 1980s alongside Star Wars, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and a few others. Now, that having been said, I was never a huge fan, and to be quite honest... I wasn't very excited about the new series on Netflix either. And I'm not 
a huge over the moon fan of Kevin Smith's work. I know you want to pull my geek card right now. Kevin Smith is fine. He does fine work. There's just nothing that he's ever done that I have been like, I have to see this. I have to read this. I've enjoyed stuff he's done, but it's never been something that has driven me to seek out his work. And that's not a dish on him at all. But his inclusion and his uh, you know, contribution to this series did not attract me to it. However, like many of you, I watched the first trailer and thought to myself, wow, this looks really good. One of the first things that I thought that I really liked was that it looked like it had grown up with us. And I was not wrong. The series did grow up with the fans. And that was one of the things that fans complained about the George Lucas prequel trilogy for Star Wars, that Star Wars did not grow up with the fans, that he stayed too close to his original vision. And that's part of what, for me, makes the prequel trilogy really magical. But in this case, because I was not a fan of the original series because I thought it was far too juvenile, for it to grow up with us really interested me. It made me want to watch this series. And then the hate starts pouring out. The speculation that Kevin Smith has done a bait and switch the basement dwelling neckbeard MRAs railing and ranting about the Masters of the Universe series and talking about how it, you know, suppresses masculinity and it's just a love letter to LGTBQ and, you know, uh, lesbian social justice warriors and yada, 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 yada. You've heard it all. You know what I'm talking about. And it became very toxic very fast. Well, I never make judgments about something I've never seen. So, I took the time to sit down and watch it. And, spoiler alert, in the first episode, He-Man sacrifices his life to save the rest of the kingdom and Eternia and Tila who has just been promoted to the rank of man-at-arms, captain of the guards, finds out that He-Man is the alter ego of Prince Adam, her lifelong friend, the man that she has shared her childhood with, her adulthood with, and it's very clear that she is in love with both Prince Adam and He-Man, Kind of that Clark Kent, Superman, uh, you know, dichotomy with Lois Lane. Except that in this case, Tila is an equal with He-Man. They've shared multiple adventures and she has been integral in many of his victories as the champion of Eternia. So he sacrifices himself and all of a sudden... She's discovered that her best friend, the love of her life, has kept a secret from her their entire 
uh, well, not their entire life, but this entire time. And that really angers her. It upsets her, and rightly so. And so she leaves her position, she leaves the kingdom, and she goes on to become a mercenary. And, and later on, um, later on, maybe five years later, we see her again. She's got a partner, she's a mercenary, and Eternia is dying because magic is dying. And Tila is commissioned by the sorceress to to basically find and reforge the sword of power and to bring magic back to Eternia. And along the way, you know, she brings Orko, Man at Arms, and her partner, who I cannot remember her name, please forgive me, and they go on an adventure to find the Sword of Power and reforge it. Spoiler alert, they they are transported into Eternia's version of heaven. And, oh, I forgot, along the way, um, Evil Lynn, who reveals that she wasn't always called Evil Lynn, that at one time she was just called Lynn, and she added the nickname Evil later on. Evil Lynn and Beast Man join the heroes to save Eternia. And, spoiler alert, they're transported into Eternia's version of Heaven, where they meet all of the past champions of Eternia, starting with the mighty Skull himself. And... It turns out that one of the past champions of Eternia was another woman. And I say another because we're getting to a point here. And we see Prince Adam. He has been ushered into uh, heaven in his Prince Adam form, not his He-Man form. And it turns out that you can leave heaven and go back to living life. But if you die a second time... You can never go back to paradise. So, just to recap, we've had He-Man die a sacrificial death. Tila has taken up the mission, the adventure, to find the Sword of Power, to reforge the Sword of Power, and to return the magic to Eternia. They meet the uh, heaven version of Prince Adam, who has come back, to the land of the living through the portal. We come into episode five, and not only has Prince Adam been resurrected, but Skeletor gets resurrected as well. Unbeknownst to Evil Lynn, she has kind of fallen into his plan as an unwitting pawn, and Skeletor kills Prince Adam for a second time as he is transforming into He-Man. And Skeletor claims the Sword of Power and the Power of Grayskull and becomes the Master of the Universe. And we see his giant form towering over Castle Grayskull, and the series ends. Boom. Now, well, that's where it ends so far. That's five episodes. 
there there are more episodes on the way. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. You guys can see the future on this one. Tila is going to take up the cause to defeat Skeletor, and she will become the next champion of Eternia. She will be the next wielder of the Sword of Power. And earlier I said there was another female in Eternia's Paradise. That's because she will not be the first woman to be the champion of Eternia. She will at least be the second. And I'm okay with that. Here's what I loved about this series. I loved that Kevin Smith updated it by having it grow up and be a little bit more mature in theme and style. I thought the animation was flawless and very good. I loved the character arc of several of the characters, in particular Tila, in particular Evil Lynn, and in particular Orko. I really loved those character arcs. And, for example, Orko went from being a used-up, washed-up court jester to finally finding his place as one of Eternia's greatest sorcerers before he sacrificed himself. Spoiler alert. So here's my thoughts about this. There, There's, you know, there, there were a lot of social justice warriors who were railing against the Loki series because it didn't lean in heavily enough to Loki's gender fluidity. Um, there were a lot of people who just hated it f- because it didn't go far enough. The other side of the aisle is these toxic, masculine MRAs, neckbeard basement dwellers, living in their parents' basement, eating Hot Pockets. And they hate this because it's not a He-Man story, and they kill He-Man, and they elevate Tila. And I've even seen people you know, posting that, um, oh, we're going to get She-Man, or... You know, Tila is just, you know, is is the shaved head and hair to the side just code for lesbian badass warrior? And, you know, these are people who haven't seen the show yet, and they're criticizing it. And I'm just going to tell you guys, the story was well written, the animation was great, and everything is awesome, and nobody's happy about it. And the people who are railing against the show but have not seen it yet are wrong. If you've not seen the show, please hold your comments until you've seen it. If you don't like it based on the story, if you don't like it based on the animation, or if you don't like it um, because because Kevin Smith basically deconstructs the He-Man mythos, then let's talk. But if you hate this series just because you've heard that the story is about Tila and not He-Man, and that pisses you off, then maybe you don't need to comment. Because the name of the show is Masters, plural, of the universe, not He-Man. And a lot of people are complaining, saying, well, Kevin Smith lied and said it was about He-Man. Yeah, he said it was about He-Man, and it's not, it's about Tila. No, he agreed, yes, it's about He-Man. What this show is about is what it means to be the champion of Eternia. What that legacy looks like. And that legacy has been held by Greystone or Grayskull. It's been held by 
uh, Hero. It's been held by He-Man, and it will be held next by Tila. And so it is about He-Man in an indirect way. It is about what it means to be a champion of Eternia and what that legacy looks like. All in all, at the end of the day, I really, really, really enjoyed Masters of the Universe. And if anyone disagrees with me, I would love to hear your comments and hear your justification for why. And don't just tell me, oh, it's another social justice warrior show. Or that, you know, oh, they're just trying to squash masculinity and and elevate women. Well, what's wrong with that? Elevating women is a great thing. I have a daughter who is fierce and fabulous. And I want her to step into a world where her strength is celebrated and not rejected or pushed down. So I'm going to celebrate this kind of story and movies like Gunpowder Milkshake and others like it, Hunger Games and so on and so forth, Black Widow, every day of the week. Every day of the week. So I'd love to hear your comments from a critical standpoint, what you did or didn't like about it, based on you having seen it. If you have not seen it, do not comment. Do not rail on me. Do not send me an email because we can't have an intelligent conversation about this show until you've actually watched it and can comment intelligently. That's going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, connect with us at backofthecerealbox.fun. You can leave us a voice message. We'll play it on air. You can leave us an email if you want to go old school. And you can become a contributor at Buy Me a Coffee or Patreon right there at backofthecerealbox.fun. And of course, if you love this episode, share it. Tell two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to come share the fun. And until the next time, love you, mean it. We'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.